Amen, amen. Have a seat, have a seat. Oh man, this is such a special day. It was amazing to see the babies that were being dedicated and the families. Thank you for being here and even support of those families that are raising their children in the Lord. And we want to take this morning and specifically speak words of life to the women of our congregation. Uh, it, it, is a, it is an amazing opportunity to speak words of life to our Women, And I'm so excited that you guys have joined us this morning and to talk about what it looks like to be a woman who is, who is genuinely gifted by God, loved by God, an image bearer of, of the Lord God in this world. It's absolutely an incredible thing to speak to this morning. But before we jump into um, some of those content pieces, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that Mother's Day brings a lot of emotions it brings a lot of emotions because uh, although some of us have had mothers that are, are, are loving and, and raised us well and are, and are a beautiful picture of what it looks like to, to be a mother of God to us, and I have one of those mothers in my own life, there, none of, not all of us have had that same experience. And so there's several um, emotions around this, and I want to start um, by first of all just saying this. I, I want to honor our mothers that are here. We did that earlier, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you, mothers. For, for getting up early, for staying up late, for crying tears over us, for pouring your life into us. If you are a mother in this room, you are an incredible gift to your kids, to us, and let's be honest, none of us would be here without our mamas. So let's just one more time say, thank you, mothers. Give them a hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But on the other side of it, there's also this, these other emotions that come with, with mothers. There's many, some women here that, that have the emotions that, because there is a desire to be a mother, but for whatever reason, um, have not been able to be. Um, so there's that emotion. There's another emotion piece with it. Some of us have lost a mother in this season. And so some of us have that emotion of, hey, I, you had an amazing mother, but you've lost her. And so in Mother's Day, it can be a, a moment of, of memory of, of that loss of that amazing woman in your life. Um, and for others of us, we, we've, some women in our midst have, have longed to be mothers. And for whatever reason, God has not allowed um, that to happen. And, and let me just say this. In those emotions, those deeper emotions around this day, let me just say this. God is near the brokenhearted. God knows your pain. God loves you, and God is near those that are struggling um, with, for whatever reason, the loss of a mother or not being able to be a mother, those emotions. God is near you, and we want to be near you too. We love you, we appreciate you, um, and we're here alongside you. But there's thirdly, I just want to give this, give this what the scripture calls um, a godly woman. There's a type of woman that God honors. There's a type of woman that should receive praise. And it's really listed in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, verse 30 through 31 says this, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. I love that description because it's really a summation of all of Proverbs 31 that talks about what it looks like to be a godly woman. Now, as soon as I say Proverbs 31, if you're in church and you're a woman who's read your Bible, you're like, don't Proverbs 31 me. You know, like that, that's, 
That's, that, it creates that emotion, like I can't live to that perfection standard, but just that those are qualities of a woman, of a godly woman. It doesn't mean you have to fulfill all of those qualities. And at the end of Proverbs 31, it's summation. It's the summation of a woman that is praised by God. And, it's, and it says this, charm is deceptive, meaning charm, that, that ornament. The word charm could be an ornament uh, or, or outward um, beauty. It says that outward, that charm is deceptive. It lies to you. And beauty, the external look, the external beauty of something is vain. Vain means vapor. It vanishes. It's a mist. He says, but there's something that's strong. Charm isn't lasting. Beauty isn't lasting. It's a vapor. But there's something that should be praised. And it's a woman who fears the Lord. A woman who pursues the Lord. The, the fear of the Lord means this. You honor and respect God above all else. It doesn't mean you're terrified of God. It means that you pursue God in Christ's likeness above all else. This is a woman that, that pursues Christ's likeness. Here's what happens. She becomes more beautiful over time because she looks more and more like God, looks more and more like the Son, Jesus Christ. And a woman who pursues Christ's likeness will become more lovely as the years go by. And men, if you are not married yet, that is the woman you want to pursue. And ladies, if you are married, that is the type of woman that will honor your kids and families and husbands. A woman who fears the Lord. So we encourage you to pursue things that are ultimately lasting, not things that are fleeting. And in my own life, there's, there's a one particular woman I just want to bring to the surface that you don't know, but she's a woman who has been incredibly impactful in my life. And it's not my mother, although my mother has been incredibly impactful in my life. It's not my wife, although my wife, um, Hillary, is amazing. She's been an incredible impact in my life. But it was actually the director of college ministry when I was in college, she was a single woman in her 40s leading the college ministry. And I was a part of that ministry, um, serving alongside, going to worship service. And for me, it was in college that I really began learning about God. I grew up in a Christian home, but I wasn't pursuing Christ. I wasn't pursuing my faith. And so it was in college that, that around these brothers in Christ, and in particular, one woman who spoke into my life that pulled out the best of me. Uh, we went on a mission trip to, uh, to Mexico. And several folks were uh, seniors that were delivering a, a Devo, basically, to the, to the group. And I'd prepared for a month for this little Devo. I mean, I'm just going to drill it home. I'm, all this effort. And then after I gave my little thing, I thought I did terrible. Um, there's a verse in the Bible that has like a donkey speaking, and it's weird. And so we we're praying, and we're like, and I was like, I was like, man, I, I, God, if you can use a donkey, you can use me. And I've shared that, and 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 I literally, and, I, and we're in this group praying. I'm like, well, who was the donkey? And I'm like, it was me, it was me, it was me. And Cheryl Fletcher walked over to me as I'm sitting on a bench. She looked me in the eye, and she says, "You're going to be a preacher." She invited me to be an intern as part of that college ministry. She poured into my life along with some other godly men there. And I am who I am today because a single woman in her 40s took the call on her life seriously. I'm going to fear the Lord and I'm walking him and I'm going to speak words of life into whoever God puts in my mix, including this young man. And let me just tell you, there, regardless of whether or not you produce physical children, 
You can produce spiritual children if you take this call seriously, to fear the Lord and speak words of life into people's lives. There is a type of woman that, that helps all of us grow to become who we need to be under Christ. And that's the pursuit I wanna call all of our women to, to do. Now, in order to do this well, um, I'm not gonna preach on uh, what it looks like to be a godly woman, although I could. Um, but as I was preparing this, I thought it'd be amazing to hear from some, some significant women that are part of our community, part of our congregation. Um, those two women are Diane Neidig and D.B. Harrison. So ladies, would you please join me on stage? Go. Now, when, I think you're okay, okay. Uh, when I uh, came to Bayou City Tomball, uh, immediately I just tried to meet as many people as possible and just connect with as many people as possible. And, and you guys are all amazing, so in choosing two, it doesn't mean that you're not all great. Um, but these two women uh, deeply impressed me because of their love of the Lord and the quality of who they are. But not just that, the humility by which they hold um, their pursuit of the Lord. Um, Diane Neidig uh, has many degrees in theology, uh, but she doesn't throw that out there, so I will throw that out there for her. Um, she's brilliant, but more than that, she loves the Lord. She loves the Lord. Uh, she is, helps lead in our women's ministry. So hearing today, uh, if you want more, go be part of our women's ministry. D.V. Harrison as well, an amazing mother, as well as a woman who loves the Lord, um, has led in women's ministry, really has a, feels a call to that, and has led in many different contexts, and, and gently, as we're starting up things post-COVID, she says, Kevin, if there's ever um, a need in women's ministry that, that I could help with, just let me know. And, and she has just taken it by the reins and run, has had coffees and lunches and connections with all sorts of women and has really just um, pursued that. And so if you're a woman in our congregation, DV, Diane, these are two women that, that I would encourage you to connect with. We have lots of great women in our congregation, so these are not the only women but these are two great women to get connected with. And I would love uh, for them to speak to us and share for us. So what this is gonna look like is we're gonna hear um, the design of women and Diane's gonna lead us in that time. Um, there's going to be uh, some of the challenges, the difficulties of being a woman. So um, DV is gonna share that. And then we're gonna have some Q&A with our ladies. So first we're gonna hear from Diane. Please. Okay. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about the design of women. And so I decided I'll go straight back to Genesis where God started all of this. So God created the world and he said it was good. Mm. And um, I'm a bit of a Bible nerd, which you just kind of heard there. So <laughs> I want to point you to the first word in this verse. The word is then. So um, then tells us something important is about to happen. God has created using his voice, but now he's going to speak something different. He's going to make an announcement. And this announcement is amazing. It's something that's going to happen in the world he created. And the world is going to experience something very good this time. And he said, let's make uh, humankind after our image, after our likeness. Now, your translation and the verses you may have heard uh, usually say man, but in the original language, humankind is more productive and more accurate. So uh, the verse continues and confirms this. He says, I'm going to create I'm male and female. 
Put up the verse, Genesis 1. Yeah, thank you, brother. Yes. Just so we're all tracking a little bit better. Thank you. All right. Now you can understand the word then, right? Okay. (laughs) So, you know, it's interesting because of all the things God could have said about this creation of humankind, he, he only said, I'm going to create male and female. And he did explain the purpose of the male and female. And what he said is we are created to rule and to reign over his creation. So together we're to rule and reign in God's image, in the likeness of God for God. So over the past weeks, we've looked at Matthew 28. Um, Kevin has taught that. And so nothing has changed. If you look at the next verse, did we get it up? Okay, there. All right, so over uh, the past, we've looked at Matthew 28, but nothing has changed. When you read this verse, it's exactly the same. God said, I want you to reign and rule in my image, like me, for me, and create more like me. And that's our job from, from Matthew 28 that Kevin's been teaching. And, you know, I can tell you our Bible has many purposes in our life, and um, Quite often, I think we learn to read it like 66 books, and we learn to read it like the history of God and the history of man. But there was something for me that happened when I learned to read the Bible as one story about God. It changed the way I looked at the Bible. Now, the people in the Bible, they come in, they play their part, and the people all leave. But God, the Bible is one story about God and only God. So every, every page in the Bible points to Jesus Christ from the beginning in Genesis all the way through Revelation. So here's something else that was helpful for me, and that is that God wants to use words to paint pictures for us because our God is bigger than we can possibly understand. So he uses words and he paints pictures. And so we just follow with me on that. So... Um, Are we there? So let's go to Genesis 2 now and look at what God says. He had introduced us in Genesis 1 to the creation of women and men. And then in Genesis 2, he's going to break that down and tell us exactly how he did that. So um, this is how he created the male and female. He creates the male, the man, and he places that man in the garden. And he tells the man, here's where you're going to work for me, like me. He has a relationship with God. He has conversation with God. And God says to him, here's one command. Don't eat from that tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And then he says something strange. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to create a helper for him. Now, I can help my husband build fence, and I have. And he can pull that wire tight, and I can drive that staple into the wood, and I can help him put those clips on there. But you know what? That is not what this word means. Not at all. It means, and in Hebrew, because like Kevin said, I'm a bit of a Bible nerd here. So looking it up in Hebrew, it's the word ezer. And it means that um, we are to do something for each other that the other cannot do. And God uses this very word for himself. God did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. Jesus did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. So now God brings the animals to the man, and he says, name them. Because in the Bible, if you name something, it means you have authority over it. And then God gives us a picture. 
He takes the man, the sinless, strong, perfect man, and he puts him into a sleep. He's dead asleep. And then God makes a deep, bloody gash in the man's side to create his bride. And then God gives us a perfect picture of relationship where we live in harmony and beauty in relationship with each other. The man alone cannot multiply, so he needs this companion who corresponds to him. So I also looked up that word, companion, and in Hebrew, it means opposite. Different. Opposite. Well, that explains a lot of things, I think. Right? (laughs) But seriously, um, we must not miss this important fact. The image of God is not complete on earth without male and female. The woman is created from the same flesh as the man. She's got the same commands as the man does to live in the image of God, like God, for God. But the introduction by God for the woman is that she will be in relationship. She is created in relationship. Now, our God is strong. Our God is powerful. Our God's an authority. Our God is also kind and tender and loving and compassionate and all of those beautiful words. That is what our God is like. And it takes male and female to portray that beautiful relationship Now, in Genesis 3 and other places, we learn that women have a lot of influence. So something happens. The woman has a powerful influence. And I think every man in this room might agree, we have a lot of influence. So we have powerful influence, and we must use that woman for the image of God to look like God for God. Mm. Now, as I close my part, I just want to add one thing. The world out there is raging over this gender issue. They just won't stop talking about it. So I just want to tell you, it's really not about who washes the dishes or who washes the car. It's not about who cries first in your family. It's not even about who's the most relational person in your family. It really is just about the pure and perfect Word of God, what we've experienced from the Scriptures, the pure and perfect Word of God. And God says, male and female represent me in my image. And I just want to remind us that as we go out to live in the image of God to that crazy, confused, hungry world out there, we're to look like the image of God. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amazing. Devi, please. So I'm going to talk a little bit about developing a relationship as a woman with Jesus. So my family loves to go to the beach. One of the things that my daughter and I love to do the most is take our float out, and I talk with my hands, so I'll be doing this. (laughs) Uh, We love to take our float out into the deep water and just lay on our float and just, you know, enjoy the view and talk to each other. So we grab our floats and we start to walk out into the ocean 
And we get about, about knee deep in the ocean, right around there, and all of a sudden, that's where the breaking of the waves are. So we're like thrown off of our feet. We're trying to hold our floats at the same time, and the ocean is just pushing us down to the ocean floor, and sometimes we scrape our hands and knees up just a little bit. And if we stayed there too long in the breaking of the waves, we'd probably decide that we don't even like the ocean and we do not want to be here. But instead, what we do is we paddle out further, And once we get out into the deep water in over our heads, we can lay on our float. The same waves are coming, but they don't throw us to the floor, ocean floor anymore. We don't have, they don't affect us the same way. And so we can lay out on our floats and all we feel is that little rocking of the waves. And we can enjoy each other's company and we can uh, enjoy the view. We love doing that. And this is the same, it's, it's true when it comes to our relationship with Christ. Ephesians 4, in chapter 4, it says that as we mature, we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth uh, by the waves. <laughs> I have to confess to you guys, I spent my fair share of time in, you know, wading in only six feet in my relationship with Jesus and wondering why my marriage was struggling, uh, wondering why I just wanted so much more out of life. You know, that kind of like, okay, God, is, is, this, is this it? Is this what they were talking about? Or, or, or seeing, wondering why I would see um, the fruits of the Spirit, joy and peace in other believers' lives I seem to be missing that in my own, and I struggled just six feet in. I struggled with being tossed around uh, between the world and God's plan for my life. That's a hard place to be. Um, So what I did as a type A personality is I tried harder, right? That's what we do, we try harder. And so I tried to have more joy. I tried to be more positive. I tried to have more love. You know, I tried to be more loving. I tried to have, tried to have peace. Mm. I mean, really trying to have peace. <laughs> but I did, it didn't work. Uh, I tried to have more self-control. And what I, happened was I just found myself feeling defeated and frankly, exhausted. And then I think probably out of desperation more than anything, I started to paddle out further and I started to intentionally pursue a deeper relationship with Jesus. And what I quickly found was that as I learned the character of God, as I got to know God more, as I learned the character of God more, my faith grew. I started to trust him more. My thoughts started to change. My heart started to change. Circumstances did not. My circumstances did not change, but the way that I dealt with them was so very different. And I realized that the gifts of the Spirit are from the Spirit. They're not called the gifts of trying harder. And so they are from the Spirit. And the only way that we can attain those gifts of the Spirit is to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's the Spirit working through us. That's where we find the gifts of the Spirit. That's where we find the life that God met for us to live as women of God. Developing a a deep relationship with Jesus is imperative if we want to live the abundant life that's talked about in John 10.10. It takes action on our part, of course, uh, to develop and and to keep, develop and keep a one-on-one, personal, on-fire, passionate, intense, willing to share all love relationship with Christ to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, as, as it says in Luke. It takes work to do that. But 
I have really, really great news for you guys. We're not meant to do that alone. We are meant for community. There should be someone helping you to paddle out there into your deeper relationship uh, with God. And and Titus 2, uh, 4 and 5, it talks about older women training younger women in the faith. And I have to tell you, I don't know where I would be without the the mentors I've had in my life. Uh, Not here. I know that. (laughs) So I I don't know where I would be. I would would not be near as far along in my relationship with Jesus. They have meant everything to me. I'll, I'll tell you, um, I'm, I told Kevin, I'm always willing to embarrass myself if it would make you think, oh, she can do it, I can do it. And so here we go. Uh, I, was, I came to Christ at 27 years old. So um, I, I was around the things of God. I, I knew of God. I did not know God personally. I didn't own a Bible. I'd never opened up a Bible and read it. So I really did not know a lot at all, really much of anything. So about a few weeks um, into my salvation, I'm at church and the pastor announces on Sunday morning that we're gonna have the Lord's Supper Sunday evening at our Sunday evening service. (laughs) My whole family is Cajun, I'm from South Louisiana. I'm thinking, if they're calling this the Lord's Supper, we are gonna eat like the best food. (laughs) Everyone's gonna bring like their best dishes. I kid you not, Craig can tell you, this is exactly what happened. And so I, you know, it it would have been great. I wish I'd have kept that to myself, but of course I did not. I didn't know a lot about the church, but I knew that if we were having an event, Susan Garner was planning it. So as soon as service finished, I made a beeline for Susan Garner and I said, hey, Susan, what do I need to bring to the Lord's Supper? (laughs) See, you can do it, I'm telling you. And she, put the, she looked at me and she said, what do you mean? And so, of course, I elaborated. I mean, do you, do you need more desserts? Do you need more entrees? <laughs> and she put the sweetest smile on her face and she said, oh, no, sweetheart, it's, it's what you know as communion. Oh, oh. But Susan became an incredible mentor in my life, just watching how she served the Lord and uh, watching her with her family and, and in the body of Christ. And she was just the sweetest person. I, I adore her. One of my mentors was actually my age. I don't know it necessarily means older in age. She was so much farther down. She had walked with Christ most of her life, very strong in her walk. And she was uh, my age, but a mentor of mine for years and years. And so mentors are very, very important to us. Now, where do we find those mentors? I will tell you that every single mentor in my life, every single one of them was found through me getting involved in some type of group at church. So what do they say that um, relationships aren't made in rows, they're made in circles? And so we have what I like to call circle ministries here, where if you come every Sunday and you just sit in a row in an aisle, you don't get to know people. You don't get to know those people around you. But we have circle ministries. We have community groups that you can sit in a circle and you have people that will pour into you. We have getting ready to start summer connect groups and we have my favorite Bible studies. (laughs) And so we have things that you can plug into. Um, And there are women there that would love to be able to speak life into you. So if you're looking for that, if you have not found that, if you're yearning to find a way to develop a deeper relationship with Jesus, Diane and I will be down in front 
during the prayer time and at the end of the service, if you wanna get involved, if you need a mentor, like Kevin said, we have women, I'm looking at some of them out here that would love an opportunity to grab your hand and to help you paddle out further. And I will say, Kevin is right, I love having lunch with women, so if you wanna have lunch with me, I would love that. (laughs) Wonderful, thank you, thank you. Uh, That's so good, yeah, so good. So I'm going I'm to I'm summarize where we've been and move us to the next step. Uh, the, the image of, of a godly woman means you get to image forth um, Christ into the lives of people. You get to image forth the God to our people. Secondly, uh, we all, all of our women need to grow. You need to grow into more Christ-likeness, and, and we want to help you alongside of that. Um, and, and the last part of our time together is I want to um, pepper them with some questions uh, to get some practical wisdom from these amazing women that have lived um, a life following the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to pepper them with some questions. They're going to go, and we'll see how many we get through, and then we'll close us uh, by the time we need to get lunch with DV. All right, so it'll be good. Um, so the first question is this. Um, in, in your everyday life, how do you try to, make, try to make a positive impact for Christ as a woman? Your everyday life. Um, You heard me say that influence is one of the most powerful gifts that women have. And um, this gift of influence can be with or without words. Um, And sometimes influence is not those things that we think the great things that we did. I can tell you a little story. Um, There used to be a grocery store where Big Lots is today, and the grocery store was closing. And it was kind of the last time I was in there, and there was this older man that would stock the shelves. And he came up to me and said, may I tell you something? And here's what the man said to me. He said, I always watched for you to come in because you were always smiling. Hmm. And you know what I was thinking? How many times have people seen me, you know, be impatient with my kids? Or how many times have they seen me frustrated because somebody in front of me is not moving fast enough and I need to go? And that's something that I've remembered for many, many years. And you know, women, I think we have the power of influence in our homes. I can tell you if you wake up cheerful and you're being kind and nice, some of your family may follow you in that way. But if you wake up cranky, they will all follow (laughs) you that way. You know, it's like, um, give your husband a smile and a hug when he comes in. Um, you know, talk to your children and and be happy with that. Um, There's so many ways. Wave at your neighbor. Um, Yes, influence with your words. Absolutely. Divi just talked about that. Bring your words and your story to anybody that God brings in your path. But there are many, many ways that you can influence, and some of them are not with words. They're just simply by the way we act. Next question is, uh, what is the biggest challenge you have with being a mother? I think especially when my children were young, it was learning to recognize the divine and the ordinary Mondays and Tuesdays of motherhood. That's, that's not easy. I think when we're in it, it's really, really hard to see. But do not think for one minute that God isn't shaping your heart as you learn to serve your family well. I think the daily chores of life can seem so mundane. It's hard to find purpose in it while we're in it. Um, But standing on this side of it, I have been married for 30 years. Um, Right, babe? Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
I have uh, two children. My son was the one leading worship this evening, and I have four grandchildren. And so standing on this side of it, looking back at it, it's really easy to see uh, that there was purpose in all of that. Believe it or not, there's purpose in the washing of the dishes, in the washing, oh my gosh, the endless amounts of laundry, uh, cooking meals for your family, loving your family well. There's absolute godly purpose in it. And on this side of it, it's really easy to see that it was a season in my life where God was trying to teach me what I would need for the next season in my life. So I finally understood that I don't need to go looking for my purpose. My purpose is to glorify God with what he has right in front of me in the season of my life that I'm in uh, at this moment. So um, our uh, legacy is built in our everyday, ordinary imperfect faithfulness to Christ. And one day we get to turn around, God willing, and see the effect of our commitment to Jesus and to our family on our children. And God willing, our grandchildren or even great-grandchildren. And we'll see that there really are no ordinary days with Jesus. There just aren't. He has purpose in it all. So find your purpose in the season that he has you in right now. Relax. You're not always going to be in this season, but honor God in it and honor your family. That's awesome. Um, next question is uh, kind of getting at a different issue now, um, and it's in regard to singleness. So, so what advice would you give some of our single women um, that, that are here today So, on this Mother's Day? Well, so... I just said, <laughs> my disclaimer, I've been married for 30 years and I have two kids and four grandchildren. So while I may not be able to relate exactly to you if this is something that you struggle with, I certainly don't want to minimize it. Um, but we can certainly look at what the word says. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says things like, it's good not to be married. I think that's really important. We seem to kind of skip over that. In this culture, we make a really big deal out of being married, but we don't make a big deal out of singleness, but scripture seems to. So marriage is a wonderful thing. I adore my husband. I, I, you know, I, I'm grateful for marriage. It's from God, but so is singleness. And I think realizing that as a married person, your, your affections are divided. You know, I, I serve the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, but I also have this family that I need to take care of. But as a single person, you can be laser focused on Christ. And so I would say that for, for whatever time that you're single, laser focus on Jesus Christ and serve him with all of your heart and let him shape what that looks like in your life. And always remember that he is always out for our good and for his glory. There, is no, there are no second class, I'll speak a little bit into this, there's no second class citizens in the kingdom of God. That's right. right? Ev, everyone at whatever life stage they are um, can glorify God right. where they are. That's the key right. is to really dig in to say, all right, Lord, how can I use this life stage, whatever it is, of either married, singleness, and, and sometimes people are single before they get married, sometimes um, loss, of, loss of a spouse or whatever can, can bring singleness. Any number of reasons um, we can... We can be single, and so the key is glorifying God in that season of life that God has placed you, and, and there are no second-class citizens. Jesus was single. Paul, single. God, God used them a little bit, right? <laughs> so it, that stage of life doesn't, doesn't dictate whether or not God can use you significantly, all right? Um, I want to speak into this one, this question. Um, what, what about those women 
um, who are struggling uh, because they're, they're not able to be a mother in this season for whatever reason? You know, I know it's very hard to know your body was created for that very purpose and find that you can't have children. But I just want to tell you that some of the most important influential women in the scripture could not have children. And God used their story, and God wants to use your story, and he is very personally involved in that story, and he's always working for good in our personal story, even though right now I'm sure it feels like a season of sadness and emptiness. Um, God is still there, and God is still working, and he uses our story for his purpose and his image. That's right. That's right. David, do you want to speak about that at all? No, you're great. You're great. Um, uh, next, next question um, has to do with, with single moms. So what, what if I am, I'm, I'm parenting alone um, and, and I'm, I'm a single mom in this season? And, um, and the ladies actually asked me to speak into this. We want to help you as a church. Uh, the body of Christ has the opportunity in being part of this community to help our single moms um, love and raise their kids in the Lord. The, the commitment that was, was made right here uh, to our, our families with, with new babies, uh, that, hey, we want to help you guys raise your kids in the Lord, um, that doesn't stop at any point in time. And so there's any number of reasons why um, kids could not have, a, have two parents in, in their homes, any number of reasons. But as a church family, we want to come alongside you. And we want to be to provide mentors, um, men in the life, if that's what's needed. Um, we want to help come alongside and help raise your kids in the Lord. That is our commitment as your church family. Um, and if there's some financial issues that, that you're um, struggling with, we also want to be able to be a place that can help you. We have a benevolence team that can speak into that and help um, in, in particular areas based on your situation. But just so you know, like if, if you are parenting alone for whatever reason, we want to be a resource and we want to help you raise your kids well in the Lord. We need the community of believers. It takes a village to raise a child, amen? And, and, and so we want to be here uh, as a resource for you guys as well. Um, next question, and this will probably be our last one. How do you balance all the things that come at you as a woman? How do you, how do you balance everything that hits you? You know, uh, when God created women different and opposite than men, he gave us like spaghetti wiring in our brain so we can multitask and we do a lot of things. And I also think uh, we love to say yes. Mm. You know, I think maybe we're even created to say yes as women. Um, So I think the more important question is really not how do we balance, because if you think about the scale, I don't know if I can do it with this microphone, but um, balancing means that I've got a scale over here and a scale over here, and I can just add more as long as I keep it balanced. So I think the question really should be, how do we decide what's a priority in our life? So what's a priority? Um, there's so many good things we can do and so many good things that we can get our children involved in. But I would just say, is there a margin or a white space or a stillness of time inside your home with all of the things you've said yes to? The most important thing is to ask yourself, what does it look like inside my home? Do I have time for a relationship? Do I have just some quiet time? where we can just stop and be in our home. 
And I think, you know, if the answer to that is no, then maybe it's time for a summit meeting with everybody involved and just sit down and talk about it. It's like, we just need more quiet, white space inside our home just to be in relationship. So I think that would probably be the most important thing. Um, and Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And Jesus came to do only what the Father told him. Jesus himself did not do every good thing that came before him. So it's not balance, it's priorities. That's good. That's really good. Hey, would you give these ladies an amazing hand? Thank you so much. Wonderful. Here's, here's how we are going to transition, okay? Um, this has been, it's been so special. A C- couple things, uh, details and transition. One is this. Uh, we have flowers on stage, and they are not meant to stay here. Uh, so if there are some women around you that would love some flowers, uh, I would encourage you guys to make a, a small, reasonable bouquet. And and give it to those women that are around you that are absolutely amazing that uh, we just want to honor them today. So they are not meant to stay here. They are meant to go home with you. And let me just say, it does not matter if you are a, a, a physical mother, you can be a spiritual producer, a spiritual mother to many, many people. And so we want all of our women to walk home with flowers because we love you, we honor you, and we thank you for the gift that you are to this body. Okay, so every woman is going to walk home with flowers. We love you guys. All right, so that's one piece. Uh, Second piece is this. We want to pray over our women. We want to do that right now and take this opportunity. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand and we're going to extend hands um, over our over our women, and we are going to spend time praying over them together, okay? So would you stand with me? All right, we may have to move a little bit, all right? So if, if you have some opportunity, if there's some women near you that maybe don't have some folks that will be praying over them, uh, would you just kind of extend your hands towards them, and let's pray over them in this moment? Mm-hmm. I know it's weird. It's one of the Christian things that we do. We, we've... <laughs> Lay hands or shake hands. Let's pray over them. Lord, thank you for these women in our lives. Thank you for the gift that they are to us personally, but to the body of Christ. Lord, we pray that you would help them to grow up in the knowledge of you, Jesus. That they would pursue you deeper and deeper and they would um, grow to love you, Jesus, more and more. I pray that if there's any pain these women are feeling in this time, um, that your spirit would comfort them in this moment, that your spirit would bring peace over them in this moment, and Lord, that they would not chase some identity that is apart from your perfect design for them. Thank you that they are strong, they're full of dignity, they're full of value and worth. They are worthy to be praised. I pray that our women would not pursue beauty or charm, things that fade quickly, but they would pursue you, Jesus Christ. I pray your blessing over each one of our women. Care for them, protect them, lead them so that they might be spiritual multipliers in our midst. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Give our women a hand. Yes.